You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. Hello, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am your host. Welcome to another edition. This is season two, episode number three, and we are excited, excited, excited for uh, for you to hear what is going on in this episode. Um, before we st- get started, a reminder, Matter of Theology is a podcast production that seeks to apply a biblical, a biblical truth to anything in social, political, um, and anything involving the church itself. Um, so thank Thank you so much for tuning in, and um, as uh, as you guys may have uh, heard, as far as uh, the first two episodes of this season uh, already. But as a reminder, we are a part of the Bar Podcast Network. That is the Biblical and Reformed Podcast Network, headed up by the hardest working man in all of podcast land. Mr. Dwayne Atkinson. Um, And if you are unfamiliar with the bar, well, you shouldn't be. Uh, Head on over uh, to their social media pages. Check out all of the amazing podcasts uh, that you can find on the bar. And we are humbled and privileged to be a part of this network. So uh, so we want to get right into this. Uh, the title of today's uh, episode of Matter of Theology is this. It's a retrieval of the word worship. A retrieval of the word worship. Um, now, as always, I want to start out by saying that m- my goal here is not to be ungracious or unloving um, in, in, in content and or tone or delivery. Um, however, my goal and our goal here at Matter of Theology has always been, and Lord willing, will always be, a desire for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the purity of his church, of his bride. Um, and, and so in this episode of Matter of Theology, entitled A Retrieval of the Word Worship, um, I'm going to name some names. Um, and and uh, whenever whenever you, you talk about this subject of worship, um, it, it tends to uh, fly in the face of, um, of, of, of some people. It tends to incite some reaction. Um, and, um, and, and, and here's why, here's why, um, there's a wonderful quote. I've said it numerous times on matter of theology by, um, our brother, Anthony Mathenia. He is the pastor. Uh, he's a pastor of a church. Um, I want to say it's in Virginia. So Anthony, if you ever listen to this and I get that wrong, I'm sorry, but he said this quote, uh, and, and he said this in an episode, um, uh, it's now called the, um, uh, Oh gosh, what is it? The whole I'm gonna have to look it up now. It's it's a podcast with John Snyder um, and um, Dr. John Snyder. The whole council. It wasn't the whole council um, then, but anyway, they were talking about worship, and he said this, and this quote jumped out at me. I had to to pause and rewind. I had to pull my car over and make sure that I recorded this quote. It's this quote: "Nothing angers the self righteous like being told their worship." is not acceptable to God. 
Okay, I'm going to read that again. Nothing angers the self-righteous like being told their worship is not acceptable to God. Um, so, so whenever, whenever we talk about this subject, um, you know, it it it, it incites some, in some some visceral reaction, um, and uh, and that's not the goal. Uh, the, the goal is to be clear. The goal is to, uh, for, for the glory of God and the purity of his bride. You know, you have to, you have to ask yourself this question, you know, how will someone know who and, 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 uh, and, and how to avoid fa- those peddling false teaching if they don't know who they are? Um, so the goal is not to be divisive. Uh, the, the goal is not to do any of that, but, um, but to be clear and to be honest. Now, if you've listened to to matter of theology for any period of time, you've heard us talk about the dangers of the cult known as Bethel, quote unquote, church. I put that word church in air quotes. Um, in fact, those for, for those who don't know, and maybe you're new to matter of theology, um, uh, you know, our, our episodes on reckless love, reckless worship, um, uh, there, we have one episode that we did when we first started, and then we have a take two, um, and then we've also addressed it um, when we when we exposited the uh, Romans chapter eleven at the end of that chapter, that wonderful doxology that Paul wraps up that that section of scripture with. We we talked about it then too, um, but um, we have uh, we, we've been very very clear. So let me break this down um, directly, boldly, clearly. Bethel is not a church. Bethel is a cult. Um, I, I want to take this a step further and say this, that any quote-unquote church who refuses to adhere to the biblical definition, the biblical practices of a church, um, and or the, the biblical qualifications of leadership within said church, they are not a church as Scripture would define it. Uh, therefore, Scripture is clear that we are to have nothing to do with them. In fact, we are called to expose them, Ephesians 5 tells us. We aren't to partner with them. Uh, something else we've discussed numerous times um, on Matter of Theology, and recently, in fact, is the, the fruit and the effects of pragmatism. We did an episode with our brothers uh, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story over at Voice of Reason Radio. Check them out. Please check them out. They, they put out some incredible content. Um, but we did an episode with them entitled The Pain and the Perils of Pragmatism. And, and I would say this, that, that one of the biggest results and failures that comes from pragmatism inside the professing evangelical church is, is at best there are far too many professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are completely inept when it comes to their ability to think biblically, their ability to think theologically, Right, you read in Acts chapter seventeen that the noble Bereans—they were called noble because they examined the scriptures daily. Everything that happened in, through, and around them, they filtered through the framework of God's holy, inerrant, infallible, and completely sufficient word. So that's at best. Now, at worst, there are many who believe themselves to be adopted an adopted child of the Lord Jesus Christ when they can't even articulate the truths of the gospel of God and and of our Lord Jesus Christ and that's a scary place to be and all both of those things are results of pragmatism are are results of the the dumbing down um, the dumbing down of of uh, and of the importance of the preached word as as being the central Martin Lloyd Jones would say this is the central purpose of the church, 
um, is the proclamation of the Word of God. The pulpit is to be at the center of uh, of the church, the, the 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 gospel, the effects of the gospel, um, the 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 not just the salvation, but the sanctification that comes from from continued exposure to the gospel. Uh, I think of our brother Paul Washer. Actually, I, I quoted Anthony Mathenia earlier, um, and Paul Washer um, is under Anthony's leadership. He, he goes to Anthony's church, and Anthony Mathenia is Paul Washer's pastor. Imagine having that job. Um, but Paul Washer said, "said I'm, I'm not going to quote, I'm going to paraphrase, but recently, it was, this, was, this was within uh, the last couple of years, he said, you know, an initial look of the go- at the gospel is what the Lord uses to save you, and a continued look at the gospel is what the Lord uses to sanctify you. Um, and that, that's, that's incredibly important, but we see in the whole of professing evangelicalism, and, um, and, and, and it's, and it's, and you see it on the Lord's day gathering in these services that are supposed to be, uh, for God and for his glory, but, but they, 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 they don't reflect what the scriptures say about how our, 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 our services should be structured. They're not regulated by God's word. Um, now I, I, I say all that and, and I want to, I want to, you know, that that's kind of an introduction, but I want to kind of clue you guys into kind of, I mean, really is what, what the catalyst that really got me start to think, uh, starting to think about this. Uh, Chris Tomlin, he is a Grammy award-winning musician, songwriter. Um, at one point I would have called him a, a friend, an acquaintance. Um, I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, but uh, he tweeted the following on June 4th, 2021. He said this, quote, we are going on tour with like seven exclamation points. And then he said, I can't think of a more critical moment in time for us to come back together and worship, unified and as one voice. Make sure you sign up now for the exclusive presale so you get your tickets first. Link in my bio. And he tags Carrie Job and Bethel Music. Okay. Um, and I, and I paused there <laughs> purposely. Um, now look, I want to be careful here and say that, uh, that, that this is not an attack on Chris Tomlin. Uh, I know Chris, I, I love Chris. I, um, I love his family. I love his team, his band. I personally have benefited greatly, um, uh, from from the songs that that, that he uh, that he wrote uh, when I first became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, when 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 seeking to work out the the call um, of, of of you know the call of ministry on my life, um, you know Chris was very very influential in, um, in 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 me learning how to play guitar, learning how to sing. Uh, the songs that I would pick, uh, the 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 style to which I would lead. I mean, the Lord used Chris in huge ways. Um, uh, a few years, not well, more than a few years ago at this point, um, I, I did have the privilege to volunteer at Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and I did it off and on for a couple of years, and and um, had had the 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 privilege. I mean, it was a privilege to spend some time with with Chris and many others that I looked up to at the time and serving. Um, kind of on the production and setup and teardown team for Passion City. Um, so, so I, it, this is not an attack on Chris, um, 
And also, this is not an episode where I'm going to focus on the the overemphasis of this of this ecumenical movement and the danger of partnering with cults. Now, we will be addressing that in the future in more detail. Um, but but I want I want to pause here. Um, and read a quote from from my brother Daryl Harrison. Of course, Daryl, uh, uh, you should be no stranger to Daryl Harrison. Uh, he is the dean of social media at Grace to You and lead host of the Just Thinking podcast. We love Just Thinking. They are also on the Bar Network. Uh, he said this in uh, Just Thinking their their episode episode one hundred and six, a biblical exposition of unity. Um, side note here: this this episode, by the way is by far my favorite that they've done. And I've listened to every one of the episodes they've done. But this one's this one's the best. This is I, I told Daryl that this and Virgil, this this episode is something that should be required um, for all leaders in, in in professing evangelical churches to 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 listen to and to know the content in this episode. But he said this, he said, quote, I think it needs to be said and emphasized, again, that Christianity is not some passive belief system that causes believers to lock arms with individuals, including pastors, preachers, and politicians, who subscribe to a worldview that is objectively observable as being evil and which loves and promotes the darkness rather than the light, period, close quote. Um, wow. What a quote. Um, and and when I when I first read this tweet, that's the first thing I thought of actually was this quote. Because Bethel Church, let me be clear, they uh, they subscribe to a worldview that is objectively observable as evil, because it is evil. What they participate in is very, very clearly the doctrine of demons. What they participate in and promote is darkness rather than light. Okay, uh, they absolutely do. For more information on Bethel, uh, check out Costi Hen. Our brother Costi Hen and Pastor Anthony Wood wrote a wonderful book called "Defining Deception." Check out "Strange Fire" by Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, t- check out our brother Justin Peters. Um, he has a, 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 a also he has done numerous interviews talking about the very issue of Bethel and the NAR um, and why they are to be marked and avoided. We, as professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are not to lock arms with those individuals. Um, regardless of how they make us feel, uh, regardless of the songs they write, okay? So I said I wasn't really going to get into that, but then, hey, you know what? Things happen, and uh, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so, um, but but we're, we're not to partner with them. That does not bring honor to the Lord, and, and you cannot be unified as one voice with a cult, a Christian cannot be unified with as one voice worshiping the same God with Brian and Jen Johnson of Bethel Music. You cannot do it. Okay, it's incompatible according to Scripture. Um, now, that's not the point of the episode, so I'm going to move on. Um, so, so one of the things that this this tweet reminded me of uh, is is something I've been thinking about for a while, and, and that's this. The word worship, the, the word worship has been and, and continues to be a word 
used by professing evangelical Christians in, in so many ways without truly understanding what the word means. And, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it um, on this podcast previously that the word worship has been hijacked. It has. And, and much, like, m- much like you see uh, with those, those professing evangelicals promoting, uh, again, other gospels, doctrine of demons such as critical race theory, intersectionality, um, th- this word has been redefined and used in a way that, that, again, I just don't think we know what it means. Um, or if we do, we're not stopping to think about the implications of what it means. Okay, so let me, let me give you some examples. You hear things like, man, man, the worship was really good today. Right? How many times have you heard that? Or, or you know, you, you'll talk to, to music leaders and songwriters and, 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 and those responsible for leading music or services on a, on a Lord's Day morning, and, and, and they say stuff like this. Well, I haven't, I heard this recently, within the last month. Well, I haven't been doing worship for that long. What? Re- Let me ask you a question. How long have you been a believer? Okay, then you've been doing worship that long. Well, actually, let me back up. How long have you been alive? Because you've been worshiping that long. We all worship something all the time. All of life is worship. What, what, what about this one? Hey, man, hey, hey, you got you to gotta come to this event, right? We're going to get our worship on. What, what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what, what does that even mean? Um, you know, I, I, th- there, was a, th- th- there, was a, there was a student event uh, a couple years ago, three years ago now, um, in the area that, that I'm in. And um, at, at this event, at this Reformed church, um, some of the songs that were played were played, by, they were Bethel songs. And the excuse that was given was, well, we're just going to, we're, 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 we're going to be quick to show grace, right? Um, um, because, because these kids are just learning how to worship then they shouldn't be on a platform leading others if they're just learning how to worship, okay? Now, I could keep going. You could probably keep going with uh, numerous examples of the times that you've heard stuff like that. Um, and, and look, look, I, I know what folks mean when they say that, right? When they say that the worship was really good today. I know what they're getting at, and you do too. And, and now in full transparency, this is something I've done multiple times. It's something that I still, I still, as of this week, had to catch myself on. Uh, I mean, brothers and sisters, that there are positions that, that the Lord has, has graced me to hold on, on staff at churches or contracted uh, with, with other churches um, w- w- that had the name, you know, worship director, worship pastor, worship leader, lead worshiper. That was one of my favorites for a while. Um, Etc. So on and so forth. You know, he's leading the worship today. That, that that's that's something else that that you would hear. And so something that, that that's really been, and we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but something that's been really convicting to me is how I use this word, worship. I mean, the word, the the, the word worship is is like I mean, it's it's a big word. It's a huge word, and especially as professing evangelicals. This should be a word that, that, I mean, we feel the weight of it. 
Okay, so so th- this is how the dictionary defines the word worship. Okay, um, the dictionary defines it as this: it's a noun. Uh, one of one of the definitions is a noun. Okay, um, and and it's this: uh, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Okay, I bet I I, I can get on board with that. Um, and then there are other definitions that, that say the same thing, honor given to someone in recognition. Um, and, uh, and, and now it's also can be defined as a verb, right? Worships, worshiping, worshipped, also worships, worshiping, worshipped, um, you know, the same thing, showing reverence for, to, to, to take part in a religious ceremony is one of the definitions. Um, and, and then, and then you flip over to, um, you know, to some of the some of the the synonyms of the word worship, and and you get reverence and revering, worshiping, veneration, venerating, adoration, adoring, devotion, praise, thanksgiving, praising, praying to, glorification, exalting, extolment, extolling, homage, respect, honor. Idol. Listen to this one. Idol idolization, right? Um, and, and then of course the verb forms of those words also, also work. So, I mean, this is something that's been very, very, very convicting to me. It's worship is, is, uh, it's an immense word with immense meaning and immense consequence if it's not used correctly. Um, you know, another thing I was thinking about when I was talking about the, you know, the worship was really good today, right? You hear that. Well, who and, and what determines how? Uh, how good or, or 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 not good the worship at any given time is, who who does that? What where's the measuring stick, right? How how do we determine that? And unfortunately, so often in the whole of professing evangelicals, it's all about the hype, right? The feeling that I get, the man that I get that I get goosebumps or chill bumps, whatever you call those. <laughs> um, I call them goosebumps. Um, you know, did did I get that feeling? Well. Is that feeling really a, a, a great way to measure um, if the worship was quote unquote good today? You know, so so I I just got to thinking. I'm like, you know what? It, it's it's time for a recovery. It's time for a reformation, if you will, a retrieval uh, of a word that carries with it tremendous weight and responsibility. The word is worship. So. And and this is something that 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 we as as human beings, and as professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, you, you see it throughout the scriptures. This is something that we struggled with <laughs> since the fall. The first murder that we see in Scripture, Cain and Abel, came as a result of false worship. Okay, so so um, and and there are some other stories that we're going to talk about um, in Scripture. Um, that, uh, that 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 deal with false worship um, and have disastrous consequences. So, uh, so so let me th- th- again. That's kind of an introduction, more of an introduction than the introduction. Um, but listen, for professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the word worship. It, this is a word that should occupy the whole of our thoughts every waking moment of every. Now I know that this that that may seem like a duh moment, but considering 
what we see across the whole of professing evangelical churches on any given any given Lord's Day morning, most professing believers have no idea what true biblical worship entails. They don't. And 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 I mean, because you look at these worship services, I mean, if you can really call them worship services, well, well, well yes, you can. Let, let, let me back up and say this. You can call them worship services, but but who or what are you worshiping? Because honestly, the majority of, of the churches that you may go into, worship is happening, but it's but it's a golden calf that we've built that's really our feelings and emotions, and we're trying to give it the name Yahweh. And that's not okay. It's it's worship that is is catered around. It's centered on, you know, people that don't love the Lord. And it's and it's worldly, and it's it's all meant to exalt self, and not exalt God. That's that that's what you see, and that's we we don't need to participate in that kind of worship. Now, I say all of this in, in light of my experience as a song leader, a music minister, etc., whatever, however you want to word that, as well as the following quote from Dr. John MacArthur in his book, Worship the Ultimate Priority. And uh, by the way, l- let me say this about this book. Um, this is by far um, my favorite book that Dr. MacArthur has written. Um, it is, hands down. I, I've read it three times. I just started reading it a fourth time. Um, and, 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 and man, it every time I'm like, wow, it's incredibly convicting. But he said this in, in that book, Worship the Ultimate Priority, uh, quote, In many churches, practically every aspect of the corporate gathering has been likewise redesigned to suit the preferences of unchurched people. The aim is to draw them in, to entertain them, impress them, and make them feel good about themselves. It is the polar opposite of authentic worship. If the worship leader in the multimedia screen didn't constantly use the word worship, there would be little to indicate that that's what we're supposed to be doing. Period. Close quote. Wow. And that's the truth. And again, I'm saying this from the point of view of someone who used to do that and participate in that very act. I used to participate in the very act of of playing guitar and or leading in song um, corporate gatherings designed to, to suit the preferences of unchurched people. So please understand that I'm not coming at I'm not I'm not coming at this subject from a from a I'm perfect I know it all I you know you know what I mean like th- th- there's no high and mighty view here this is something that I'm still working through and working out but but Dr MacArthur is absolutely right the the, the goal and the aim um, is to entertain the goal and the aim is to impress the goal and the aim is to make people feel good about themselves. When that's the polar opposite of what you see in the scriptures when it comes to when it comes to true biblical worship. I mean, just uh, just this as of the recording of this episode, there was a tweet sent out by Elevation Worship. They are a part of Elevation, quote unquote, church. Again, I put that in quotations 
because their quote-unquote pastor is not a pastor biblically, Stephen Furtick. He's a false teacher. He's a modalist. He's a prosperity gospel guy who says things like the Jesus broke the law, uh, broke the law for love. No, he didn't. They tweeted out this week, quote, you are enough. Period. Close quote. Well, sure, you're enough to 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 warrant justly, might I add, experiencing the wrath of God in hell for all eternity, apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is enough. His grace is everything. Church is uh, church is a place we come to die. And 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 let me let me take this moment to plug the latest episode of Just Thinking, episode one twelve. Has God really said? Daryl Harrison. There's a section in there where he preaches. I mean, he drops the hammer and reminds all of us that when it comes to church, when it comes to uh, uh, what this should look like, they're dealing with the issue of women preachers, that we don't get to go to church and demand what we deserve in our rights. We don't get to go to church and say, it's about my preferences. Absolutely not. Church is where you come to die. You die to yourself, and you serve as a slave of Christ, right? You see that riddled throughout the scriptures as a slave to Christ and a slave to others. That's what your call is to, is to be inside the church. You are not enough to close the gap and to close the, ca- the, the chasm between us and God because of our sin, That is only made possible by the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's it. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Brothers and sisters, what we do when gathering on the Lord's Day is not something that should be done in a vacuum either. And, And what I mean by that is this. When we gather together with the saints, this should be It should be the overflow of what we do individually each and every day, coming together as one body with one purpose, ascribing to the Lord the glory due his name because of the intrinsic glory he possesses and the works he has and continues to, he has accomplished and continues to accomplish for his name and for his church. We, we don't come to church to worship. We should come to church worshiping. We should already be doing that. And as I stated before, there are too many, there are far too many professing evangelicals today who are the product of overly pragmatic and seeker-sensitive churches, and there are too many pastors and other leaders who are content with that being the case. No wonder we don't know what worship is. Back to Dr. MacArthur. In, in his book, Worship, The Ultimate Priority, again, he said this, quote, the typical church today is actually practicing a kind of populist religion that is all about self-love, self-esteem, self-fulfillment, and self-glory. All those things point people in exactly the opposite direction from true worship. And that's it. Right, the goal. Let me let me let me let me make you feel good about yourself, so that you can come and get your worship on. And oh, don't forget, you got to make sure you put your money in the plate. 
for the offering so you can keep paying these people. Now, I'm sorry, contrary to what a lot of worship leaders, and again, I have come to do not like that term anymore. <laughs> contrary to what, a lot, to what a lot of worship leaders think, hype and high energy doesn't necessarily mean high, God-honoring, true biblical worship is happening. I'm going to say that again. Contrary to what a lot of worship leaders, and let me go ahead and add in pastors to that, contrary to what they think, hype and high energy doesn't necessarily mean high, God-honoring, truly biblical worship is happening. It doesn't. It does not mean that at all. So let, let me let me let me ask some questions and let me answer some questions as I was kind of thinking through how I wanted to approach this initial episode on this topic because uh, you know this is not exa- going to be an exhaustive episode. There's no way to exhaust the topic of worship. There's not. There's not. We. I, I could re- I could record an episode once a week for the rest of my life and wouldn't even come close to scratching the surface on what it means to worship and what tr- worship truly is. Worship is crucial and it's critical to our lives both individually and corporately. It's a part of our sanctification. It's actually the what what should fuel our sanctification to to see and to savor the wonder, the glory, and the majesty of the Lord as we get to know who he is and what he's done through the Holy Spirit's application of his word, that should be the fuel that ignites wanting to live a life of worship. So so what is it? What is worship? Well, I'll answer that question with another one. What's the chief end of man? Right, this question, this question, it, it comes from the Westminster Assembly Shorter Catechism. It, it, it's, it's, it is one that many listening will be familiar with. And the answer to this question of what is the chief end of man is this. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and everybody say it with me, and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and enjoy him forever. This is, again, it's one of the most recognized and known of, of, of all catechism questions. And again, I stated this earlier, this question and answer should be in our minds and on our hearts every waking moment of every day. It should. Is it? No. No. But it should be. Now, I say that in light of passages of Scripture like 1 Corinthians 10.31. Um, and um, this is uh, the, the New American Standard and the Legacy Standard Bible. Uh, both say it the exact same way. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That pretty much sums it up. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, 
uh, th- th- this verse has been a staple for me uh, <laughs> that I have, have aimed to do and failed so miserably and am so thankful for God's grace and, and long-suffering and patience and sanctification in my life. Colossians 3.17, the Legacy Standard Bible says it like this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, that sums it up. Do all. Word, deed, everything in between, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is simple-ish. It should be anyway. Thomas Watson, in his masterful work, A Body of Divinity, um, said this when concerning the glory of God. Quote, The glory of God is a silver thread which must run through all all our actions, period, close quote. So if someone were to ask me, Chris, how would you define worship? Here's what I would say. Um, If I had to boil this down, I would say this. At its essence, worship is giving God all the glory in all of life in thought, word, and deed. I'll say that again. At its essence, worship is giving God all all the glory in all of life in thought, word, and deed. Thomas Watson would would say that glorifying God involves these four things. He breaks it down in a body of divinity in these four ways. Appreciation, adoration, affection, and subjection. Appreciation, adoration, affection, and subjection. He, He calls this the yearly rent we pay to the crown of heaven. Now, that entails an immense focus in every area of our lives. Starting with our thoughts, which which then bleeds over into our actions. And we see that in, on the negative side in the book of James, right? The book of James, we're told, uh, you know, we're told that sin originates from the lust within us. So what better way when it comes to uh, when it comes to one of the ways that we can continue to mortify the sin in our lives uh, than to live a life of worship? So I'm going to turn to Colossians 3 really quick. Colossians 3, listen, um, if you want to know practically how to live a life of worship, memorize Colossians, memorize and seek to live out Colossians 1 through 17. But but let me let me just let me just read this to you, okay? Because this 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 goes right along with what we're talking about. Uh, Paul says this. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you died, and your life is been hidden has been hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is manifested, then you will also be manifested with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On an account of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also lay them all aside, wrath, 
anger, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you put off the old man with its evil practices and have put on the new man, who is being renewed to a full knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word and or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What an incredible passion uh, section of scripture. You know, Paul said something kind of similar to the, to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wow. Paul, Paul said, present your bodies as sacrifice, living holy and, holy and pleasing to God. That's your spiritual service of worship. Wow. Worship involves more than what we do during the musical portion of a Lord's Day gathering. To Paul's point in his letters to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Colossians, etc., it's all of life lived to the glory and in the filial fear of God. All of life live to the glory and in the filial fear of God. Isaiah 66, whom will you, uh, to whom you, uh, will you find favor? Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble at my word. Not doing so would, would mean that we are engaging in, in ignorant worship. And that's not something that God wants or is pleased with. Dr. R.C. Sproul, he put it this way. He said this, quote, God is never pleased with ignorant worship. Worship must be grounded in the knowledge of God, period, close quote. How we worship is a direct reflection of how we view God. It is. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. He said, quote, as we think of God, so we will worship as we think of God, so will we worship. Listen to this quote by A.W. Tozer. Tozer said this, quote, 
What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. We tend, by a secret law of the soul, to move toward our mental image of God. Period. Close quote. Did you hear that? What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing to us. Now, do you, do you see now why I say that, that, that for the most part, for the most part in most churches today, you know, at, at best, we, we, we have, we have the, these, these shallow, um, just, just professing believers who are completely inept when it comes to being able to think biblically or theologically because we have a low view of who God is. And, 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 you know, part of that, a big part of that falls back on the pastors and the leaders and the elders for not taking seriously and, 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 and desiring to be regulated by the word of God how we worship, for not shepherding and caring for and leading by example and showing those in your care how to view God. That's a scary place to be. When, when one stops to survey church history, one can easily, easily deduce that ignorant worship was something, for the most part, that was non-existent. When you look at, when you look at the early church in the scriptures, when you survey church history, um, true biblical church history, ignorant worship was something that did not exist. Why? It was not tolerated by the pastors, by the leaders and the shepherds. Ignorant worship was not tolerated. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about from the corporate service perspective. Remember what I said earlier, right? Okay. Um, what we do when gathering on the Lord's day is not something that should be done in a vacuum. Okay, when we gather together with the saints, this is something that should be an overflow of what we're doing individually day in and day out. You know, one of the one of the books that I've been reading for uh, for, for a little bit um, is The Great Awakening. Um, and, and, and I'm, I guess I'm funny when it comes to reading, like I'll, I'll, I'll start reading something and then I'll, I'll, I'll need to sit with it for a while. Um, and, uh. I will. I'll need to chew on it for a while. For example, uh, Thomas Watson has this incredible book, uh, a Puritan paperback. You can get it from Banner of Truth, The Doctrine of Repentance. I started that little 122-page Puritan paperback at the beginning of December of 2020. And, well, as of the recording of this episode in July of 2021, I still haven't finished it. Why? Goodness gracious, Chris, are you that slow of a reader? No, no, I'm not, actually. But... It's one of those books where I, there are times, ladies and gentlemen, that I read a sentence and, and the Lord, Lord, man, just through his word and, 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 and through thinking on that and meditating on that and, and earnestly um, 
through the word being a mirror, the word of God is a mirror, a window and a mirror, but a mirror first. Um, I, I need to sit with that and pray through that and repent of, of, of my sin. And, and, and so, yeah, it's taken me some time. Well, another book that's taken me some time to read um, is, uh, is, is The Great Awakening by Joseph Tracy. Because I'll read it and, and, and I'll get to this section as far as what was going on during that time. And it's overwhelming. And when you're reading this, what you're able to see, and I'm almost done with it, but what you're able to see through the actions of pastors and leaders and shepherds when it when it comes to um, you know when, when it comes to to worship is is you're you're clearly seeing um, you're you're clearly seeing that these pastors and and shepherds are being very very careful with who they are admitting into the church. These uh, these men invested in the lives of those professing believers in their care. If someone, um, and again, you read through that and and you would read these stories about Jonathan Edwards preaching or George Whitfield, Gilbert Tennant, so on and so forth. They're preaching these huge, heavy sermons that are, I mean, they're, they're calling out sin. And the results of sin and, and conviction is happening and, and revival, true revivals taking place. But there were those who would make false professions of faith. And these men would, would spend time with those professing faith to make sure that they saw fruit as evidence that they possessed what they professed. It's an incredible thing to read. And what you see during that time in the scriptures, when you're reading about the early church, the Apostle Paul and the other, the other apostles and disciples and establishing the church, um, what you see then and, and through the Great Awakening and through, again, throughout church history is a far cry from, from this overly pragmatic, seeker-sensitive, truly anti-biblical approach to discipleship and worship that one would see today. So all of this, all of this, this work and not tolerating ignorant worship or, or false professions and, and truly discipling and shepherding those in their care, all that would, would uh, overflow into these rich, I mean rich gatherings where, where there was a heavy emphasis on the holiness and the glory of God and a desire to see his word elevated to the highest place in gathered worship. Back to Dr. MacArthur, he says this, he says, look, aim for depth, quote, um, the heart can only go as high in worship as it can go deep in theology. Let me say that again. The heart can only go as high in worship as it can go deep in theology. The elevation of your worship is in direct correspondent to the depth of your theology. Superficial knowledge of God leads to superficial worship. Period. Close quote. Back to Dr. Sproul, Miss Papa Sproul. He said this, quote, God is never honored by flattery. Oh, man. God is never honored by flattery. That's why true worship must be sincere, genuine, and honest. Period. Close quote. So, 
it's it's our genuine and sincere desire to strive after holiness that truly declares our intentions in living a lifestyle of worship. I'm going to say that again. It is our genuine and sincere desire to strive after holiness that truly declares our intentions in living a lifestyle of worship. Truly sincere, genuine, wholehearted, heartfelt, truth-driven, holy living fueled by an insatiable desire to honor and glorify the Lord in all things, regardless of the circumstances, that's worship. So how does that, how does that uh, translate corporately, right? That's another question I kind of thought of. Um, you know, how, how do we view worship corporately. So Dr. Tom Askell, uh, he's the president of Founders Ministries, and, and he is pastor of Grace, Bap- uh, Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. He said this in his message um, at the 2020 G3 National Conference, which the, na- the theme that year was worship. And it was, you, it, listen, if you do not have the G3 app or have not listened to the sermons from the 2020 G3 National Conference, you have to. I will put in the show notes a link uh, to where you can go and listen to those. They are excellent, excellent sermons by Dr. Askell, Stephen Lawson, Dr. MacArthur, Josh Bice, uh, Daryl and Virgil were there. They, they did a podcast, uh, which was awesome. Um, but an incredible, incredible sermon. Uh, uh, Costi Hen preached a lights out sermon uh, about, about uh, incredible. So anyway, moving on. Dr. Askell said this, quote, in, that, in, in his sermon at G3, quote, too often we approach worship as a matter of convenience rather at, than as a matter of our need to meet with and hear from God. Whoa. Too often we approach worship as a matter of convenience rather than as a matter of our need to meet with and hear from God. So I go back to what I said earlier. You know, you think about the the majority of the services or gatherings that take place on the Lord's Day in the whole of the professing evangelical church and, and, and professing evangelical Christianity today. There's a lot of ignorant worship being tolerated. And again, in full disclosure, full transparency, I've participated in some of that throughout my time as a music leader. So... So, so here's my question for, for those out there that, that, um, that may be in charge of, of picking songs and may be in charge of the musical portion of worship. What are you regulated by? And I'm using that word regulated on purpose. What are, what are you regulated by? Dr. R.C. Sproul, he said this, quote, the truth of scripture is not only is meant not only to be studied, it's meant to also be sung. Period close quote. The truth of scripture is, is meant not only to be studied, it's meant also to be sung. So let me let me um let me back out for a second and let me start at the top. Um, as far as corporately what this should look like. 
You know, you, you think of uh, stories like in Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offering the strange fire to the Lord. You know, and, and the Hebrew word there for strange, that, that, that expression there for strange fire, um, literally, it, it, it translates into unauthorized fire. And look, they didn't have that right. They didn't have that right to do what they wanted. They should have listened to God. And, and, and they should have heeded his word and his commands when it comes to how they, were, and this is the thing, how they were leading people in worship. God has taken out those who, who twist his commands. Proper worship is important. And now God, God instantly killed them. I mean, right away. No, no questions asked. No questions asked. You look at the story of Uzzah in 2 Samuel 6. And, and you see, I mean, Uzzah, uh, Uzzah was, um, they, they, look, they had one job. Right. Like <laughs> when studying for this, you know, you find out that 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 where the the tribe that he was a part of, they had one job and one task, and that was transporting the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God resided. And God was very, very clear in Numbers chapter four how that was to be done. But yet you see pragmatism take over in 2 Samuel 6. They put the ark on a new cart. I mean, Scripture says it was a new cart. So they understand, they understood the importance of the ark. They understood of, that it was, it, was, it was the place where the presence of God resided. But what happened? So the ark went to fall. Uzzah reaches out and catches the ark. He took hold of it, Scripture says. And what happens? Quote, God struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. It wasn't supposed to be on a cart. Uzzah loved the ark. Uzzah didn't lack zeal. Uzzah didn't lack hype, right? He didn't lack energy. And wow, convicting question for all of us to ask. And one of the questions that I'm asking of myself right now, when I say this, know that over these, you know, last little bit, this last little bit as I've been thinking through this and, and meditating on this and working this out and continuing to work this out, this is one that's been incredibly convicting to me is how irreverent is your worship, both individually and corporately? How irreverent is my worship individually and when I gather corporately? So God takes very, very seriously how we worship him. And unfortunately, and then this is why I started out with that, that, that tweet by Chris Tomlin is because I'm, I'm concerned for Chris. Because partnering with false teachers, partnering with wolves, partnering with, uh, with, with cult leaders that, are, that, that preach a different Christ and a different gospel, that's not unified. And it's not one that brings God glory. 
That's deviant worship. And we never, we, we have to understand this. Dr. Dr. MacArthur, one more quote from the book Worship and the Ultimate Priority. He said this, quote, The Bible clearly teaches that those who offer self-styled worship are unacceptable to God, regardless of their good intentions. No matter how pure our motivation may seem or how sincere we are in our attempt, if we fail to worship God as he commanded, he cannot bless us, period, close quote. God very much cares about his glory. Isaiah 48, my glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Exodus 34, in verse 14, you shall not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Yet how many churches do you see on any given Lord's day that subscribe to self-styled worship based upon any and everything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and regulated by any and everything other than the Scriptures? So I say all that to say from a practical standpoint, let me answer, let, 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 me, let me talk through that and then we'll wrap up. Pastors and leaders, you, as a called man of God, called to herald and proclaim his word, called to give him all glory, all honor, and all praise by how you lead those in your care, you will be held accountable for those in your care. So let me say this, you need to be intimately, intimately involved in what goes on in every single solitary aspect of the corporate gathering. You will be held responsible and you will be judged by how those, how well those in your care worship God. And when I say how well, I mean according to the scriptures. So pastors and leaders, um, God very much cares about the songs that are chosen. God very much cares about who writes those songs. Avoid Bethel. Avoid Hillsong. Be very, very careful with, with passion. Be very, very careful um, with, uh, I mean, again, I'm not attacking any, I'm not attacking any of these people individually with, with some of Chris's latest stuff, to be honest. Be regulated by the word of God in all things at all times. Those, uh, you know, and, and, and let, me, let me say this to pastors and leaders out there. Um, when you read through the Old Testament, when, when you read through, I mentioned Nadab and Abihu, they were priests and, they, and their role as priests was, was the worship uh, leading, uh, leading the, those in their care in worship. The requirements, when you go through and look at the requirements of the priests, um, in, in the scriptures, those requirements of the song leaders were, were stricter, more strict, stricter. I'm not sure grammatically how to say that. Forgive me if I messed it up. Um, but the, those requirements were, were, were harder to meet than, than many of the positions during that day. They had to be older. 
walking with the Lord longer. They had to know, I mean know, the Old Testament and, and the books of Scripture that were already written. So pastors and, and, and church leaders, when you're choosing your song leaders, be very, very careful. The, the, these, these men, yes, I said men, these men need to meet the qualifications of an elder found in Titus and Timothy. They do because they are teaching theology and that matters. If you have song leaders in your church that are leading corporate worship gatherings that are teaching the people in your care that you will be held responsible for, teaching them false theology or as as Timothy would call this or Paul would call this in Timothy, the doctrine of demons, you have failed in your leadership, sir, in, in who you've put in those positions. Because as I've stated before, music is a vehicle. Music is a tool that helps us memorize. If, you, if I say sing the ABCs, just about everybody listening is going to pretty much sing something, something around the same tone. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and so on and so forth. Okay, you can. <laughs> so, so it, it helps us learn. It helps us memorize. When I, I've heard, I know I mentioned uh, J. Mack a lot, but, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to his, his, that book, like I said, I've read it four times, or this is the fourth time I'm reading it. But, but one of the things that he's talked about in there is that when in moments of his life where, 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 you know, the, the, everything goes wrong. Um, there've been, there've been times he, uh, one of his sons was very sick. There was a time that Patricia was in a car accident and he's driving to the hospital. What is he doing? He's singing hymns. He's remembering the rich truths of the scriptures as he is worshiping in song. Remember that quote from R.C., the truths of scripture just aren't meant to be studied. They're meant to be sung. Christianity is the, one, is the only religion that sings. So what we sing matters. And it just so happens that in the scriptures, we have a songbook. It's the book of Psalms. We have multiple examples of multiple doxologies that are fueled by theology in the scriptures. The Apostle Paul is one of the ones that, that, that does that multiple times. I mean, you see it in Romans 1, you see it in Romans 11. I mentioned that earlier, the end of Romans 11, where he stops and just says, Oh, how great, how, 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 how great and mighty the depths and the riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus. In fact, let me turn there real quick. I want to read that because what what a what an incredible incredible thing we see here at the end of this amazing just section of just nothing but just rock solid theology. Paul just stops in verse thirty three and oh the depth oh and 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 when you when you read it there that that's what he's doing. It's this expression that is just overflowing. Oh the depth of the riches and the wisdom of and knowledge of God. I often tell people, don't forget the punctuation in Scripture. There's an exclamation point at the end of that sentence. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who, who became his counselor or who has first given him that it might be repaid to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Our, our, our theology must inform 
every aspect of our worship. Our theology must inform every aspect of, of our doxology. If it's not, our doxology can't inform our theology. And I've known so many people over the years who they've tried to make that case. That's not the way it works. So song leaders, pastors, leaders, teach theology, rich theology through the songs that you sing. Do that. Aim for that. Aim for the depth. Let the Lord take care of the breadth. And lead your people to the throne of grace. Worship is not an experience that you create. No. No. It's not it. It's not about you creating anything. Be regulated by the scriptures. Normative worship. The normative principle of worship. I'm going to be a little bold here. Is not worship that that I believe when I read the scriptures that, that, that the Lord approves of. There may be some out there be like, hey, well, wait, Chris, 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 hold up. Martin Luther was normative. Yep, he was. He was. And nobody's perfect. We all have clay feet, right? We all do. That's one area where, where I disagree with Martin Luther. And that's okay. That's all right. But listen, practically, um, choose songs and psalms in the scriptures, right? Paul's words in, in Colossians. Admonish one another. How? By singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do that. Um, hymns. You know, look, I'm... <laughs> when I first became a believer, when I first started leading worship, I, it was right in the middle of the quote-unquote worship wars of the, of the 2000s when, when there was this huge debate between contemporary and traditional and churches would have the traditional service and then at 11 they would have the contemporary service and it was, it was a completely different feel and, and, and it was basically two different churches if we're being honest and, um, and um, you know at the time I, I would say things about those who, who were overly uh, you know for the traditional about it being stuffy and everything else but let me tell you something the older I get and the more uh, the Lord by his grace let me say that by his grace which I do do not deserve uh, allows me to grow in sanctification the more I have come to know and love hymns and know and love and run I mean run to hymns so um, there are, are, are many many different uh, uh, people that I, I would trust that I know of and I'm, I am not again I am not the expert in this that is not it at all Um, but check out Sovereign Grace, check out the Gettys, uh, Matt Boswell, Matt Papa are writing modern hymns and they're beautiful and wonderful and theologically rich. Um, and, um, I I would say, check out, check out Shane and Shane, their Psalms specifically, their older stuff and their Psalms records and their hymns records are wonderful, wonderful tools. Now I will caution you and say this, that, they, they do cover through their worship initiative, which I'm a part of, uh, because their tools that they have for musicians are unbelievable. Love those guys, by the way. I've had the opportunity to meet them a few times. Love them. Love those brothers. But I disagree in their choice <coughs> Excuse me, to cover Bethel and Hillsong uh, because it promotes false teaching. 
So just be careful with that. Um, uh, but listen, um, in wrapping up, I've talked about a lot and um, I've rambled a little bit. So thank you for hanging with me if you're still listening. Um, again, this, I said it before, this is not meant to be exhaustive as I know that um, we, could, we could continue to talk about this over and over and over again. Um, so I'll, I'll end with saying this. If, if, if anything I've said in this episode has um, fired you up or upset you <laughs> uh, and you want to reach out and, and, and comment, please do uh, find me on the socials. Um, and, um, and, and hit me up. I, I would, I would ask my, my ask in that is this, that you would do so biblically, um, that you would, uh, and what I mean by that is an attitude. Um, I, I, I unfortunately have had song leaders, worship leaders that have, uh, that I was involved with at a church, come at me yelling, screaming, cussing, ranting, raving, and defending Bill Johnson till the cows come home. Um, and, and he identified as reformed and, um, well, nope, sorry, buddy. You're not reformed if you're going to continue to play Bethel. Anyway, not the point. The point is, listen, if you're going to come, uh, do it biblically in attitude, please. Um, uh, uh, don't don't come off half cocked. Don't don't come off both barrels blazing. If if I've erred in some way, uh, please show me biblically where I have, and um, and, and and I I will I will gladly gladly uh, change my position and or repent of that if need be. Um, so uh, reach out to me. Um, if there are any song leaders out there, um, that, that have questions and, and want to have a further dialogue and conversation, I would love to do that too. Again, I am not the expert, um, but by God's grace again, and I, I emphasize that wholeheartedly by God's grace, I've had the opportunity to do this for a little while now. Um, and again, not the expert uh, at all. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and then we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you again for listening. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your mercy, your patience, your long-suffering with us. Thank you for the sanctifi- the salvation that, that I have received and, and that many others listening to this have. We thank you that you have saved us uh, uh, by no merit of our own, by no work of our own. Um, we cannot work our way to heaven, uh, but by your grace, you have given us the faith to believe and, the, and, and, and you, have, you have given us and gifted us with, with the, the wonder of salvation. And then not only that, but the wonder of knowing you and, and the ability um, through your Holy Spirit to obey your word and to live lives of worship. The, the, the ability at its essence to worship you in all that we do. Giving you, God, all the glory in all of life in thought, word, and deed. So, so God, would you, would you just take this, the, the, this time and, and, and use it and continue to sanctify and purify your church and your bride Um, as we continue to learn more about who you are and who we are in you. Uh, Thank you, God, so much. In Christ's name, amen. (sighs) Thanks so much for tuning in to Matter of Theology, and uh, we, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. We will see you on the next one.